to Nonprofit Lowdown. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Rhea Wong. In this podcast, I recommend a book, tool, tip, podcast, or resource that has helped me to build a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization. I've done the research, so you don't have to. Let's get started. Hey, podcast listeners, Rhea with you once again for Nonprofit Lowdown. Today, I'm sitting with my very good friend, Amanda Krauss, founder and CEO of Row New York. If you don't know Row, you got to know Row. They're doing some amazing things. And today, we are going to talk about Amanda's rise to leadership and also about capital campaigns, which I know is a mystifying and intriguing concept for many of you. So welcome, Amanda. Welcome. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. And by the way, for those of you... (laughs) who like show notes, we're going to post pictures of the cutest puppy in the whole <laughs> wide world, who is the, the Roe New York dog. Yes, one of many Roe New York dogs. It's, we're very dog friendly over here. Love it. Love it. So Amanda, tell me a little bit about Roe New York and yourself. Yeah, so I started the organization back in 2002, around 2003. I was a rower in college and I worked for a, an organization after college while I was in graduate school called Community Rowing in Boston. And I coached lots of different programs there just as a part-time job. And there was a new program there called Girls Row Boston. And it was bringing competitive rowing to low-income girls in Boston. And very long story short, I was so inspired by that group of girls and the change I saw in them across my time with them on the water and spending time with them and their families and helping them with schoolwork and sort of watching them grow into these really confident, strong young women and come together and race together. And and I was so inspired and and really thought, well, I want to come back to New York City because I'm from New York. I love New York. And I want to start a similar program. I want to bring rowing to girls who wouldn't otherwise be rowing in New York City. So that was the very beginning back in our pilot program was summer 2002. Amazing. Yeah. So we're, what, 2019, that's 17 years later, you've grown this amazing organization. How many folks do you serve now? What's their budget size? So we started, I literally, you know, it's one of those stories of like, I went to Chase and I put $5 in a checking account and I incorporated Row New York as a nonprofit. And I went through the whole, you know, getting nonprofit status and I bought a book about fundraising. And, you know, it's really, really sort of one of those Building it from the ground up stories, I'm not sure I would recommend, recommend doing what I did, but here we are. And we now have close to 2,000 young people a year on the water with us, about 300 in our core after school rowing and academic program. Those are the kids who are with us, boys and girls, six days a week, year round. Wow. Yeah, it's a really high dosage program. And then we have an operating budget of just over $5 million a year. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I ever told you that I think my secret, my secret alternate path was to have been a coxswain because <gasps> I'm light and I'm yeah, loud and you I'm bossy. Really good. You're all and you're smart. It's good if they're smart. Yeah. 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 You would have been really good. And I'm also sort of unreasonably competitive. Oh yeah, yeah. man. I think you missed your call. I really did. I actually like am not allowed to play board games with my friends anymore because it just gets very ugly. Yeah, all the things you just described, light, smart, competitive. Loud, very loud. Very loud. That's key too. Yeah. Yeah. Confident. All right, well, maybe one of these days I'll come out on the phone. You should. You should. Boss people around. So you've had this amazing rise. You know, you've built this thing from the ground up. It's been such a project of love and I'm sure you've poured blood, sweat, and tears into it. So. I mean, there are so many questions I can ask you, but specifically, I know of late that you have started a capital campaign. And so I wanted to ask you about that. Like, first of all, what is a capital campaign? 
Yeah, well, a capital campaign is when you're raising money for a specific project. So a lot of people think it's just for a building, but it can be for an endowment. It's just, it's a large sum of money that's not restricted to your general operating support. So our capital campaign, we started just over a year ago, and our total raise is looking to be about $34 million. And we were joking before this podcast started that I was thinking maybe you should do maybe you should do this again in about a year and I'll tell you I'll know more because I'm certainly learning as as we go. We'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. But I will say that now that we're a little over a year in, it does make just the general operating raise seem a lot easier in comparison. So walk me through this. So you are raising capital campaign money at the same time that you have to raise operating? Yeah, because as you know, having been an executive director, you don't, you know, sort of turn everything off and say, we're just going to focus on this campaign and then tell all of our kids, see you in a year, um, we'll be back. So we still need to raise the money to run our programs. And so you're raising the $34 million for a new building. Yes. Yes. So we are building a 16,000 square foot community boathouse and learning center on the Harlem River. Today's actually an exciting day. I don't know if you know this, but we're going live with the renderings of the boathouse itself. Oh, that's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. So I will show them to you. Yeah. I'll post them in the show notes if that's possible. Yeah. Okay. So let's back up a couple of steps here. So At what point did you decide that you were going to do a capital campaign? So it's such a long story, but I'll try to try to make it short. We the boathouse that we use in Manhattan was owned by another nonprofit and it's floating on the Harlem River. It's very beautiful, but it has all sorts of structural issues, probably because it is or because it is floating on the Harlem River and it's it's small. And we took over ownership over it a couple two years ago. And when we took over ownership, we realized this is not a long-term plan. It's about a quarter million dollars a year just to keep the thing floating. That's mm. not running a single program or, or you know, paying the electric bill. That's literally to keep it floating. Yeah. And I was sitting with our lead supporter of Row New York. His name is Dick Cashin. And I was telling him that we're in this tricky spot because, you know, we're in this boathouse and we're running our programs out of it, it's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do think that we need a long-term plan. We need a long-term home for this organization on the river. And he said, well, let's build, you know, let's build a community boathouse. And I said, yeah, that, that would be great. And then I met with a couple of other funders and, and they said, what's holding you back? And don't say money. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I can't not say like money. I'm going to say money. Yeah. And they said, don't say money because you'll be able to raise the money for building this. And I said, well, then I guess nothing, because that's my only concern is how do you raise that kind of money? So go back to Dick Cashin. He said, you know, we can we'll build this thing. And he's he's a doer. He's our champion. And then he added, I think a few weeks later, he said, oh, and we'll have Norman Foster design it. I said, well, that's that sounds nice. You know, he's a world renowned architect and that would be incredible. But, you know. He said, oh, I'm friends with him. He's, he's amazing. I love this man. I love that he just like makes yeah. it happen. He's a doer. He was a rower, very successful rower at Harvard. He now runs One Equity Partners. He said, let's do it. And the next thing I know, I'm on an email between Dick and Norman, Lord Norman Foster talking about designing a boathouse for us. So fast forward, we're releasing the renderings today of, it's so beautiful. I will share them with you, these images of 
the boathouse on the Harlem River, classrooms upstairs, five boat bays. You know, it'll co- accommodate four to 500 people a day rowing out of it. Amazing. It'll be a real sort of community gathering space. So, you know, here we are. <laughs> That's beautiful. So that was two years ago, right? Yeah. And at the time, what was the operating budget of Row New York? It was probably about $3 million, $3.3 million. And how big was your development department at the time? Because I know people who are listening are like, well, if you have a big development department, like, it yeah. should be fine. Yeah, yeah. Too small is the short answer. I think that we certainly, you know, and you know this again, having been an ED, you sort of learn, for me, I sort of learn things through through pain, through a little bit of a painful process of, of just like getting to the point where something is unbearable. And then you realize, you know what, we need to release some pressure somehow. Yeah. And I think that that was true for with our development team for so long. It was me and then, you know, a development associate and a director of development and raising a few million dollars a year. And that's just not enough. I mean, I guess it's enough if you have sort of one person supporting the organization and they're just writing a big check. But if you have diverse funding sources and you have to, you know, report out to a lot of foundations and you're raising government money and, you know, maybe also add on, we have earned income here. So we realized in 2015 that we really needed to invest in our development team. So we broke off the the development team into two pieces. So we have a marketing team now and the development team Mm. and heads of both. And then we have someone who runs events. We have someone focused on individuals. We have someone, we have development associate. Mm -hmm. And then we have a grant writer. Mm -hmm. And then there's me, obviously, and then a chief development officer. Wow, that's that's significant. And so that happened prior to your capital campaign raise. That's who we hired to kick off the campaign. We knew we needed to make some investments in Row New York, in the team, to be able to pull this off. So let's talk about your board, because it sounds like your board is very supportive of the idea, but what kind of financial commitments did they have to make in order to get behind a capital campaign? Yeah, so I'll answer that, but I'll back up a little bit and say that when I kicked off this project, and so I think people have to always recognize that for this project, at least, there's the capital side of it. Like, how do we get raise the money for the hard and soft costs? And the hard costs are literally materials for the boathouse, and the soft costs are everything that's not a material. So the architectural fees and the engineering fees and landscape architects and permitting, etc. And then there's the, the project itself that has nothing to do with raising the money, right? So it's getting the permission and community support and what will the building look like and how will it be used and... How do we get everyone on board with this? And how do we communicate this to the to every st- stakeholder out there? So I met with other executive directors who had gone through this process before. And the only thing in common was that there was there was sort of nothing in common. Like there was no sort of this is how you have to do it because right. they all seemed to do it in different ways mm-hmm. and successfully. So a few of them said, it's all about your board, you know, and they had board members coming in multiple people giving, making seven-figure donations. And we just didn't have that board at that time. And I think we've, we certainly made progress, but we didn't have a board where that with that kind of capacity. Mm-hmm. So I recognized sort of early on, this was not going to be, financially speaking, we weren't going to just be looking at the board. I mean, our board is incredibly engaged and incredibly generous. They're doing close to a million dollars towards the project, but we, we recognized early on that 
we were going to need to, you know, really think outside the board too. Mm-hmm. Did you hire a consultant to help plan this thing? Like, how did you figure out how this thing was going to launch and if you could actually do it? Right. So for the capital campaign, and remember, there's also the, we should have another podcast about like building a building. If anyone's interested in that. But the capital campaign, because we've hired consultants to help with the building of the building too. But with the capital campaign, also in that meeting with EDs, they all said different things. You don't need a consultant versus, I don't know, I couldn't have done this without my consultants. We did end up hiring a consulting firm and it didn't work out. It wasn't a good use of our money. And I don't know if that's because it wasn't the right firm or it wasn't a good fit for for Row New York's audience Mm -hmm. because the feedback we were getting was sort of, I don't want to talk to a consultant that you've brought in. Like, I want to talk to Amanda about this or I want to talk to the board chair about this. I don't want to be farmed out to a consultant. Right. And... That said, I mean, obviously it works for campaigns all of the time, right? right? I think universities use consultants all the time. So I don't, and it could have also been that it wasn't the right firm. Sure. So I'm not, I'm not really sure, but I, I guess I would advise that people need to spend some time thinking about their funders and what will speak to them. Right. And our, our people really didn't want somebody else. So. Right. Were you able to think about raising the funds with your existing donor base or did you have to think about a whole new and different donor base? Yeah. So, you know, what we had hired these consultants to do, and I definitely think it's still worth doing, is you do like the first phase is a feasibility study, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you know about this, but you go to your go to your biggest funders and you say, this is what we're thinking about. This is what we're planning. Can we gauge your interest? And mm-hmm. do you think you would make a gift towards this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if everybody's coming back with like, um, absolutely. We would, we're very interested. We'll put, you know, best case scenario, we're going to make a pledge right now before you've even kicked off the campaign versus, you know, some people will come back and say, this doesn't speak to me. Mm-hmm. I love what you're doing. I don't want to, I'm not interested in you guys make, building a building mm-hmm. for any number of reasons. People are excited whether or not. And that gives you a sense of what's possible. But it's, it's also really imperfect because I would say that We've met people along the way in the last year and a half who weren't even on our radar mm-hmm. who have given over a million dollars. Wow. So Amazing. it's really, yeah, and so that's great. But then there, there are also people, the flip side is that there are people who have been long-term supporters of Rowan York for whom this isn't of interest. Right. So I'm always sort of scratching my head and, and feeling kind of silly when I'm reporting out to the board, maybe not silly, but sort of that I can't predict more. I feel mm-hmm. like... In the, for raising the general operating support, we're very good now at this point of, I'm sure, you know, you've done this, the probability weighted revenue, the pipelines for every foundation, every corporation, every individual, and you're usually not that far off, right? Mm-hmm. This just feels like, I don't know, you know, he might give five million, he might give nothing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And it swings the raise so far one way or the other way. Yeah. So... It's been, you know, it's been super exciting when you get a call like, I want to add a million dollars. But then it's also, you know, the lows are really low when someone you, you hope would be excited about the project is it? Yeah. So many questions. But <sighs> when you think about this donor base for the capital campaign, is there most, are they mostly individuals? Are they mostly foundations? Are they corporate? Like, what's the mix? Mostly individuals. Okay. So the vast majority individuals, we looked into new market tax credits and some other ways of bringing in funding. We looked into public funding, mm-hmm. 
And we really decided because the building is on city property, on parks property, we wanted to avoid public funding because that would have to go through the parks department and then we, we lose sort of control over sure. that, those allocations. And, and so in terms of speed and, and decision-making, we, we sort of wanted to keep that control. So it's mostly individuals. We are looking at some of the looking towards some of the private schools who we run turnkey rowing programs for to see if they want to invest in the building to have a long term home for their programs. Mm-hmm. So there's some interest there. We think foundations will come in at maybe two, three million. We have a million so far. Mm-hmm. But they what I've learned is that they're much more interested, for the most part, later on. You know, they want to see you you've broken ground, you've started the building, Got it. you need their help to you know, finish mm-hmm. things up, not you haven't even broken ground. And it's the risk is higher. And, and understandably, they're not as enthusiastic about that. So how do you keep the capital campaign from capsizing? I'm using a rowing term, your general operating yep. rates, because five million is still a lot of money. To right, raise. right. You bring up such a good point. And, you know, I found that I've sort of had to make my peace at moments over people coming in and saying, I want, you know, long-term supporters coming in and saying, you know, I, I would like to direct this towards the building. You can agonize over that, but you also, there's only so much you can do, right? And, right. and we do everything we can to really try to be protective of the general operating raise mm-hmm. and be very clear about that with folks. Mm-hmm. And I have to say only a little bit has that happened where I think, oh man, I wish they were putting that towards our annual budget Mm -hmm. versus the building. So, Mm -hmm. and right now we're at the point where we need so much for both that we're, I guess it's a good problem. I don't know if that's a good problem to have. I'm like, that's fine, put it towards the building. We need to raise plenty of money there. We can put it towards the general operating. Like that's fine too. It's not like we're we're sort of overflowing in one category or the other. I see. And so when you consider your capital campaign prospects, Mm -hmm. Is there a danger of cannibalizing your current prospect pool or your current donor pool? Right. Well, for the board members, we ask them to do a separate Mm -hmm. campaign pledge. And we stress, and they know because they're with us every step of the way, how important that general operating support is. With new funders of the Boathouse, we actually are asking them, and some have said yes and some have said no, to let us earmark a portion of it for general operating support. Oh, that's great. Some have said, no, I want it all towards bricks and mortar, and that's completely fine. That's, you know, at their discretion. And then for our sort of annual supporters, we're asking them very clearly for a separate gift for the boathouse. This is a one-time, Got it. you know. So I most, most of our supporters, you know, they're smart people. They're generous. They want to be supportive, and, and they understand. And you say, listen... You normally give $10,000 a year. We'd love for you to keep that going. On top of that, yeah. this is what we're doing. Do you want to be involved? So is raising $32 million make raising $5 million seem easy now? Yeah. <laughs> e- well, I wouldn't say easy, but easier. Yeah. A lot easier. And I think what I was getting at earlier is that it's not just that it's easier. It's so much easier to, to project. Like, you have so much more visibility on that $5 million for the annual operating mm-hmm. fund than you do on the campaign. Mm-hmm. At least that's been my experience. And how much of this capital campaign raise do you think has been about shifting your internal expectations about money? Ooh, that's such a good question. 
shifting my own like your own your own money yeah. baggage. Well, I don't really have any money, so no. I I think that I have to keep reminding myself when I feel like the campaign isn't going well. I don't know if this is answering the question, but when I feel like the campaign isn't doesn't have the momentum I want it to, I have to remind myself that we just haven't turned the right key yet. That mm-hmm. this is not because the money isn't out there and interest isn't out there. It's just that we haven't, you know about this, like a nonprofit is just sort of this puzzle, right? Mm-hmm. And you're always, and that's what's kind of fun about it is like, you're just always trying to put the puzzle together. And so to me, that means like, we just haven't asked the right person or we haven't mm-hmm. told the story the right way mm-hmm. yet, or we haven't asked them at the right time. Mm-hmm. And so certainly I have moments of feeling discouraged and you know, you hear about these campaigns for a private school where they're like, it's just flying in the door. You know, like we have more than we just heard about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and that's, that's annoying. Yeah, you know, it's, and you're happy for them. And I actually really admire the head of the school who was, it was clear that they were doing really well with their campaign. And, you know, but of course you have that moment of like, well, why can't it be that easy for New York? Yeah. Uh, I have that moment. Yeah, yeah. But then I, give myself like a 30 second pity party. And then I realized, well, because what we're doing is harder yeah. and that's what we signed up for. So get over it and move on. Oh, that's my internal. Yeah. Well, because I, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, you, it seems insurmountable until you actually do it. So like before you're raising a budget of a million, you're like, oh my God, I'm right. never going to get to a million. And then you get right. there like, oh, but that right. wasn't that hard. Right. And then you're like, okay, but now, but 3 million is yes. going to be really hard. And you get, you know, so it's almost like you have these limiting beliefs about what you can do until you actually get there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I have 10 year old and she always says to me and she's very determined and she always, you know, she's just always in the background while I'm talking about a 13 year old too, but he doesn't really, I don't think he's paying attention, but she's always listening to, you know, me talk about this project in this boathouse and she'll often look at me and say like, mommy you can do this and repeat after me. Like we are going to build this boathouse. And she literally won't stop until I say, we're going to build this boathouse. And then she'll say, no, that was not, you know, (laughs) say it was supposed say, yeah, exactly. No, no, that say it like you mean it. We're going to build this boat. No, do better. Oh, we're going to build this boathouse. And so I just, you know, she's been helpful that way. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I wonder where she gets that. Yeah, yeah where did she get that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so, so you have this $32 million goal to build this boat yeah. house. Yeah, well, 34-ish. 34, I'm sorry, yeah. 34. Yeah. Changes oh, at, every at day. 30. Whatever, you know, who cares? And a lot of money. Call it 40, yeah. And so and the goal that you've given yourself is next year? Is that right? Right, we're on track to break ground in May. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I hate to ask, but what happens if you don't reach your goal? To break ground. Well, you sh- the, the first question is, how much do you need to break ground? Because that seems yeah. to be the million-dollar question that the board is working on, and no one seems to have an answer to either from other organizations. They all have different opinions about that. Ah. Yeah, so that's what's fun, too. You know, you ask, one person will say, you just need enough to pay the contractor to keep moving, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a much lower number than more conservative folks who will say, you need enough money to break ground, pay for the entire building, hard and soft costs, and then a year of operating. And yeah, which I say, no, 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 I'm somewhere in the middle of all of that. But I think, you know, 
this is a whole bunch of rowers focused, for the most part, focused on raising this money. And I think that's a good thing for this crowd and that talk about being competitive. Like we are going to, I don't, that would be a very bad scenario. And mm -hmm. I think everyone's going to try to avoid that because yeah. every day that you, the chair, John Denham of our real estate committee just said last week, he said, every day that you delay breaking ground is approximately $2,500 just with, you know, yeah. cost escalations. Yep. And yep. yeah, so we will really try to avoid that. So when is the, what do we call it in, in hospitality, your, your opening date? Oh, yes. So it's supposed to be a two-year build. So that would be spring 22. Okay. Yeah. So you hope to break ground soonish. Yeah. So we hope to break ground spring 2020. So this coming April or May. Got it. Probably May. And then a two-year build. So then we would move in spring 2022. So anything else that you feel like you really learned in the last year and a half of this capital campaign? Oh my God. I have learned so much in this capital campaign. I'm trying to think of what I haven't talked about that I've learned. I would say that accounting gets a lot more complicated. And so, you know, really making sure we have a great finance team and making sure that they're really prepared for and supported in what that will look like, you know, because the costs are so, are much more complicated and the giving is more complicated and I would say, you know, it's just so key to have a really good team, which we do have. We have this incredible team working on this whole project mm -hmm. from the chair of the committee, John Denham, and then an advisory board member, David Huntington, and then some key staff here. Mm -hmm. And then we have a consultant and then the design team. And I mean, so we do weekly phone every week. We, for years, two years now, we've done a Thursday phone call and I imagine they'll go on for a couple more years. And really, I think it's having a really good team because, mm -hmm. you know, there are these moments that, that the project feels impossible. And so, mm -hmm. you, you know, ideally, just as on teams, you don't all have those moments at the same time. So mm -hmm. then you can lean on the person who's feeling strong and, and has the answers mm -hmm. versus thinking you can do this alone. There's, you know, that's not possible. So last question for you. How do you spend your time? Are you solely dedicated to... Cuddling puppies. Cuddling, aside from cuddling puppies and, you know, doing affirmations with your daughter, which sounds like a lot of fun. But, I mean, you, you mentioned that you have someone who's sort of running the day-to-day. -day, like, yeah. That's a really good question, actually. You're good at this. I, I've had a little bit of practice. Uh, so, right. So, Rich Berlin, I'm going to give him a little shout-out from Dream told me a few years ago, he said, Amanda, when you go to build this building, I know you're laughing. I am laughing. I'll tell you a Rich Berlin story after that. Everyone has a Rich Berlin story. <laughs> so, Rich, if you're listening, this, this is for this you, is buddy. You, Rich. He said, Amanda, here's the thing. You're going to need someone else to run around New York when you go to build this building. You're just, it's going to take over your whole life. Yep. And I smiled and I nodded. And it's not that I didn't think he was right. I don't know why I didn't listen to him, right? I don't know. I was like, right, sure. And then I didn't listen to him. And probably because like all EDs, I was thinking I can do everything. I can figure it out. I can figure it yeah. out. And also that's crazy. Like we can't hire someone else. Like we got to, we have to save money. And then about a year in, I realized I was drowning in launching a capital campaign and then trying to run around New York. So mm -hmm. I would, you know, go out to a morning of breakfasts and coffees and then I would come back to a hundred emails and, and everything good and challenging about a nonprofit. 
And I just didn't have the capacity. It was mm -hmm. not possible. And, you know, I was waking up at 4.30 and trying to get ahead of things and then working on weekends. And then I thought, this is just, this is not sustainable. This is not good for me. It's not good for Ronnie York. And so I went to our board and I said, this is, this is not working. And I said, of course it's not. They were like, dumb. Yeah, we knew that. Yeah, of course it's not. Yeah. And that's when we decided we would need someone internal to run the day-to-day -day of the mm -hmm. organization. So mm -hmm. we had Jenny Trace doing that up until June as our deputy executive director, doing a tremendous job. She left after 10 years of being at Road New York this month. And Rachel Citron, also from Dream, so a lot of Dream crossover. She did she did 15 years, it sounds like prison, with um, Rich. <laughs> and she's just been the hugest asset and like just incredible. I mean, jumped in at a million miles an hour and is already running most everything here. So that's awesome. That has allowed me to not be a crazy person as much. Mm -hmm. And to answer your question, you know, my time is mostly spent going out and meeting with people, building the board up, meeting with people, talking about the boathouse, talking about Row New York, taking them to visit the programs, mm -hmm. getting people excited about joining the board, mm -hmm. working with our board to connect with more people. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, as you know, that's what fundraising is, right? Is getting people excited about what you're doing and, and on the team. But then the other side is really focusing on the building itself. So meeting with the design teams and talking about the boathouse itself and how it will be used and that whole project. So, and then, you know, some other Row New York things. Yeah. And then I try to, at least every few weeks, get out to the programs yeah. and in the perfect world, n not with anybody, not with a funder, not yeah. with a program officer, but just on my own, maybe bring my dog and just spend some time with the kids and coach or just hang out and watch. Yeah. And these, you know, we all need to be reminded too of like why we're doing this. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great paradox of being an executive director. It's that the more successful you are, the less time you get to spend exactly. doing the thing that you loved in the first right. place. Right. And that's why you need to, Make sure that you do. Yeah. That you leave all the emails and all the meetings and the long to-do list and just turn it off, spend a few hours with the program that you love, yeah. right? Because you need to sort of fill your own tank. I think that that's really key. Well, Amanda, that's all the time we have yeah. today. Thank you so much for all of your time. And we will definitely come back to you as this progresses because I want an update. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.